You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Texas as we and thankfully 
the Department of Justice continue to remind our governor and state's attorney general that they, unfortunately, do still live in the United States of America and must abide by the laws therein. And, oh, so sorry, Johnny Reb, so, so sorry. Well, it is what it is. And I am happy to say that there are lots of gay and lesbian couples who are receiving uh, their marriage licenses and are preparing their nuptials and are getting wed and many blessings and mazel tov to them all. Tonight, we're going to be talking a little bit about professionalism in work. We're going to be talking about the use of eggs in our Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. And then we'll be going over into the uh, kitchen uh, where we'll be uh, talking about not just black, but also white mustard seeds. And uh, we we'll hope you all have a real great time. As always, hopefully along the way, we'll have some good tunes and some good laughs. This week, I have, however, an announcement to make. I received this communication, and I was asked if I would read it on air, and I am very happy indeed to read it on air. It appears that a number of workers are gathering together this coming Wednesday, which will be July 15th. And they are coming together not necessarily in a single place. They're, they're staying where they are. But they are all agreeing to set aside Wednesday, July 15th, to light a brown candle and to dress that brown candle as they see is appropriate, and then to pray over that brown candle, or to place petitions on, or under, or with that brown candle for bringing justice and protection to our African-American brothers and sisters here in the United States. So, once again, that is Wednesday. July 15th, could you take some time to light a brown candle and say a prayer of justice and protection for our African-American brothers and sisters here in the U.S.? I am thrilled to have gotten this message. I am absolutely beside myself just as pleased as punch that we are actually going to step up to the plate. So, once again, folks, that is July 15th, Wednesday, July 15th, next week. Do it at a time that is appropriate for you or that is convenient for you. Dress your candles as you wish for the matter of justice and protection for all our black brothers and sisters here in this country, and perhaps even in the world, if you would like to extend that. But please know that there will be other workers working with you on that day. 
and you just you know if you don't have a brown candle you know use what you use what you got use what's just join in just join in and i am so happy to hear that anyway that is the news from this part of Texas, but what about the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom? Well, we're going to go right across the hall there here in just a second and check in with our own veteran newscaster. I'm talking about the one and the only Phil Patchy Fogg, who's going to be bringing us that. Will, uh, Will Wink Winkerson is not with us. Uh, this week, uh, he is off in West Texas uh, investigating a uh, dramatic alpaca situation that's going on over there. And we hope uh, that perhaps next week, uh, Wink will be back to fill us in on exactly what's going on with the alpaca situation out there in West Texas. But until then, take it away, Phil Patchy Fogg. Good evening. Today is Thursday, July 9th, the 190th day of 2015. There are 76 days until autumn begins and 175 days left in the year. Today is an auspicious day to destroy pests and weeds, prune to discourage growth, and cut hay. Tomorrow, will be a good day to begin a diet to lose weight, cut hair to discourage growth, harvest below ground crops, quit smoking, wean animals or children, or begin potty training. Today's highlight in history comes from July 9th, 1776, when the Declaration of Independence was read aloud to General George Washington's troops in New York. Also on this date, in 1850, the 12th President of the United States, Zachary Taylor, died after serving only 16 months of his term. He was succeeded by Millard Fillmore. In 1896, William Jennings Bryan delivered his famous Cross of Gold speech at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. In 1918, 101 people were killed in a train collision in Nashville, Tennessee. In 1945, architect Frank Lloyd Wright unveiled his design for the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum. In 1951, President Harry S. Truman asked Congress to formally end the state of war between the United States and Germany. An official end to the state of war was declared in October 1951. In 1965, the Sonny and Cher single, I Got You Babe, was released by Atco Records. And finally, in 1995, Jerry Garcia performed for the final time as frontman of the Grateful Dead. Garcia died a month later. Today's birthdays include actor-singer Ed Ames, who is 88, neurologist and author 
Oliver Sacks is 82. Actor James Hampton, 79. Actor Brian Dennick, 77. Actor Richard Roundtree, 73. Author Dean Coots is 70. Actor Chris Cooper is 64. Rhythm and Blues singer Debbie Sledge of Sister Sledge is 61. Actor Jimmy Smith is 60. Actress Lisa Baines is also 60. Actor Tom Hanks is 59 today. Actress Kelly McGillis, 58. Rock singer Jim Kerr of Simple Minds, 56. Actress rock singer Courtney Love, 51. Actor David O'Hare, 50. Actor-director Fred Savage, 39. Actress Linda Parks is 37. And actress Megan Parlene, 35. We also wish to send out birthday greetings to air member Reverend Fred, whose birthday will be on the 15th of this month. Our thought from today comes from American humorist Irvin S. Cobb, born 1876, died in 1944, who said, If writers were good businessmen, they'd have too much sense to be writers. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom. We now send you across the way to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me please. Haven't Hey, that's mommy, yeah. Yeah, man. Well, okay, Put my trust in goof of dust. Cause you know some days may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's usually in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, as the Nicholas Brothers advise, someday it may rain. But don't you sweat it and don't you fret it. Because we have got the lucky numbers and the card of the week for you right here, right now. This week's lucky numbers come, as always, from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not drop on by and give it a look? And they are 16, 22, 37, 39, 42, and 51. Once again, those lucky numbers for this week are 16, 22, 37, 39, 42, and 51. This is the second week for 39, so be sure to be on the lookout for it. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 119, that's 119, 489, that's 489, and this one I've got to tell you, I've got a really strong feeling about 562, 
That's 5062, and that 562 came with particular omen and august sign on it. So be aware of that. The card of the week is the Four of Clubs, the Stranger's Bed. Travel for work or business or sleeping alone. Progressing from last week's Ace of Clubs, we see this week bringing stability and solidness to projects and endeavors, with a possibility of travel for work. This is a week to have your ducks in a row and be ready to go where and do what your business and work projects demand. However, be cautious not to get into fights with spouses or lovers this week, or you may just end up in a cold bed. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, the professor's pontifications. Oh, we're gonna work. We're gonna work tonight. Why, it's just gonna be like a coal mine. Cause I'm 
Oh, no, 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 children. Nine kindalach. That was not Devo. Oh, no, no, that was Lee Dorsey. Lee Dorsey, boys and girls, with working in the coal mine. Oh, 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 my heavens. Well, no name it and claim it yet. Tonight, on the Professor's Pontification, our topic is All Work and No Play Make Jack a Dull Boy, or You Gotta Work, Sucker. We have discussed a number of different topics here on the pontification. And I just want to go over this one more time for you all. What is the point of the pontification? Well, the point of the pontification is, A, to allow us to be able to talk about things that are going on in our community <clears throat> that are happening around us, that are pivotal to us, but also it is meant to be a area, uh, a moment, in which I sort of stand up and say to you all of the things that either were said to me when I first uh, started out to become a worker, back when I was uh, undergraduate Porterfield, before Professor Porterfield, and uh, or the things you know that I wish someone had said to me. It is designed to be a moment in the show when I try to pass on a, a little bit of advice, <clears throat> as best as I can, to guide you. And the assumption is that those listening are wanting to be workers, whether that is professionally, meaning in the public arena, or privately, for themselves, their friends, their family. Maybe they never get paid for it. To school you, so no one can fool you. And so tonight, I'm going to be talking very specifically <clears throat> about being a professional worker. And we've kind of moved all around it. We've talked about all sorts of different sort of characters that you need to kind of look out for and other sorts of situations like that. Tonight I want to talk directly about work. A lot of people have come to me throughout the years and they've said, uh, Professor Porterfield, how do I become a professional worker? How do I how do I do this? And they mean a variety of different things when they ask that question. Some people are tempting to say, how do I get knowledge? How do I get scholarship? Other people are tempting to say, how do I actually do that? But one of the questions that often doesn't get answered is how you actually go about it. And furthermore, there are people who have gone on to become professional workers who don't abide by some simple ideas that they should. And we're going to cover that as well, hopefully. But first and foremost, I want to say to you this. I am not sinless of some of the things I'm going to talk to you about tonight. 
In fact, that's how I damn well learned the school of hard knocks. And I'm going to try to share some of that with you, so maybe you don't got to get knocked in your silly head the way I had to get knocked in my silly head. First thing I will say to you about this, how do I become a professional worker? Well, it's no mystery. <laughs> you see, it's no, it's no mystery. Part of the problem is that because we are spiritual, magical workers, people get this ridiculous idea in their head that that's somehow different or special or separate from being any other kind of worker, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a bricklayer, a plumber, a car mechanic, a guy that, you know, stocks things off of a truck, onto a train, off of a train, onto a truck, out of a truck, into a store, from the back of the store onto the shelves. It's not. It's not. The first thing I will say to you is stop thinking that spiritual work, magical work, is going to somehow be different, that there's some special key, some interesting, weird, eclectic, cape and mascara wearing, uh, too much coal under the bottom of the eye thing and that you're going to walk around 24-7 for the rest of your life in a top hat or in something else, you know, whatever, I don't know, and do your weirdness, okay? That's not what work is about. Work is about what we all know work is about, consistency, steadiness, professionalism. <clears throat> that professionalism should exist in our practice, in our work, as it exists in any other work. And if you're looking to get away from that, if you're looking to get away from the, quote, nine-to-five drudgery, if you're looking to get away from the, quote, mundane, muggle, oh, I hate that word, <coughs> world, and therefore you're going to go off and you're going to become a spiritual quote-unquote worker, or a magical quote-unquote worker, chances are there's not going to be very much damn work, and going to be quite a lot of dilettantism. And if you want to be a dilettante and you can afford that, be my freaking guest. I have never been able to quite afford that, so... Uh, there it is. Now, by this, I'm not saying that you can't make your bread and butter or your daily bills by being a spiritual worker. What I'm saying is that the same level of professionalism that you would expect from your doctor, from your lawyer, from the police, from a guy you hired to remodel your kitchen, from a plumber you called at 10 o'clock at night because a pipe had burst, from an electrician because you needed your house rewired or a new light fixture installed and you didn't feel you were quite up to going down to Home Depot and having a little guy go, oh, it's easy, all you got to do is go over here to aisle six, you know. 
the same level of professionalism that you expect from those people, and you should expect professional behavior, professional ethic, professional work, and professional billing from those people, you owe your spiritual and magical clients. This is not a free-for-all. This is not some loose skitter-bang, oh, here we go, I can do whatever, whenever, because I'm a spiritual worker. I don't have to keep regular hours. Well, if you don't keep regular hours, how are people going to get a hold of you? Well, I don't need to have a phone that works so people can get a hold of me or an address where they can reach me or an email where they can send me, then how the hell are they going to get a hold of you? Do you honestly think, as popular a movie image as it is, that you're going to fill some bag with your spiritual supplies and pick up some sort of ornate walking stick, staff, or cane and wander Wonder America, wonder America, and you'll rest and wander and work where you can, and you will come and go like a shade, and just be there when people need you, and you'll deliver these words of wisdom and a special little powder, and then, like smoke, you're gone. Well, hey man, if that works out for you, good luck to you, and I mean, be my guest. If you want to walk around America doing that, and there are people that have, that's kick-ass. But I'm thinking most of you probably have homes and apartments and families and, and some other things, and you're probably not just going to pick up sticks and just wander out the door and, you know, transverse America back-to-back back till the day you die, getting older and slower and grayer, you know, and the vanishing becomes harder and harder, and First, you're vanishing like smoke, and then it's more like mist, and then it's kind of like a fog that stays around till noon. Then you're vanishing like mud. I mean, you know, come on. You're a professional worker, and you owe your clients professionalism. You're working for money here. This isn't. You know, there, let me let me back up on that one for a minute. There are some spiritual practices that do not accept money for work. And there are some spiritual groups and religious groups that say it's absolutely wrong to take money uh, to do spiritual and magical work. There are others that don't. In Hoodoo and Ruhin Conjure, it is absolutely not wrong to accept an exchange for your work. That might be money. That might be a bushel basket of pecans. It might be a damn chicken. It might be a meal. I don't know. That's up to you. But the point is that you're accepting an exchange. And that means that you have a certain amount of professionalism that is demanded of you. No one wants to deal with some fly-by-night, seat-of-the-pants, loosey-goosey person that isn't going to do things correctly for them. Now, as I said at the top of this, I've been guilty of all these sins. That's how I learned. All right? That's how I learned. I got knocked on my ass. And I've dealt with others and seen how they act. 
if people, if you're open, if you're open for business, and you don't have certain limitations on that, and whatever limitations you want to have on it, is your business. Not every lawyer opens at 9 and closes at 6 and takes people, walk-ins. There are lots of businesses that require referrals. There are lots of businesses that are by appointment only. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not unprofessional. But if people can't get a hold of you, if you're so goddamn magically mysterious that people can't get a hold of you, you're just turning your goddamn wheels. You're doing nothing. Okay? You're you're just you're just lost out. People can't get a hold of you, they can't get to work, you're not gonna make any money, and you're not gonna do anything for them. And you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. You have responsibility at two levels. The first is that you have a responsibility to your clients. What does that responsibility include? Let me tell you one that I believe. That not everybody obeys. You have a responsibility to privileged information. You have a responsibility to confidentiality. Let me say that again. You have a responsibility, if you're going to become a spiritual or magical worker, to confidentiality. You become responsible for keeping your clients' information and work confidential and private. Why? These people are coming to you and emptying their guts in front of you. They're pulling their hearts out of their chest and holding them out to you. They're telling you about all of the secrets of their life. Or they're coming to you to get divination, and you're seeing all the secrets of their life. Some of them are having an affair. Some of them are not having an affair, but their spouse is having an affair. Some of them are in economic trouble like you wouldn't believe. But they don't appear that way to their neighbors. Some of them are experiencing problems with their in-laws, with their siblings, with their parents, with their children, with their bosses, with members of their community. You have a responsibility to keep that information private and confidential. Otherwise, what's the what's the point of you? You're just running around gossiping about them. All right? Now, that's not to say that if, with the agreement of your client, another worker contacts you to take up a case from you that you have been doing on part of your client, you should not share anything. But you should have some acknowledgement there. Hey, I think you should go to this worker because they're going to be better at it. Okay? And then they say, hey, did you send so-and-so to me? And you say, yes, and this is what the situation is. That's not a violation of confidentiality. That is, you're passing. That's like one doctor is talking to another doctor. Well, when they came in, they had a blood pressure of whatever, okay? 
and they had a white blood cell count, etc. You're passing on information to another professional who engages in privacy and confidentiality to aid the client. Sometimes it becomes necessary to discuss work that has been done in a teaching model. Again, this is just like a doctor who teaches in a classroom. You can teach an example of work and even be specific about it without engaging that person's name. You can say, I had a client. This client had a problem like this. You don't be super specific. But that privacy and that confidentiality is so very terribly important. Here's the next one I would hit on. You have a responsibility to respect or let go. What do I mean by that? What I mean is if you find that you cannot work for a client with respect, with common courtesy, with decency for that person, for whatever reason. Maybe they're just a huge pain in the ass. You know? It's not always on you. Maybe they're just a huge pain in the ass. Then you have a responsibility to let them go. You have a responsibility to say, I'm sorry, we cannot continue our working relationship. Because if you can't deal with a client from a position of respect, courtesy, even empathy, even compassion, then why are you working for them? Just another buck? Well, would you want your doctor to treat you that way? Would you want to go into a doctor's office and have that doctor look at you in such a way that you can read on that doctor's face that he just hates your guts? He doesn't respect you. He looks down upon you. He has no compassion for you. He has no empathy for you. He has no concern for you. He could just give a flying fuck less, or she could just give a care less about you. Would you honestly want to continue, if you had a choice, if you had a choice, because we don't always, to trust your medical well-being in the hands of that quote-unquote professional? I think the answer is generally no. I think the answer is generally no. Obviously, there are going to be some changes in circumstances. There's nobody else to go to. Well, you take what you get. In general, I think the answer is no, I would not want to continue with that worker, that medical worker. You owe that to your clients. There's too much fucking sniggling that goes on in the back rooms. Your clients aren't here to be articles of humor for you. Now, yes, look, we're human. And, and there are some people with some funny-ass shit. I mean, there are some really... I mean, it's just funny. You know, I mean, people are just funny and they do weird things. But then go back to your confidentiality and your privacy policy. Okay? And how good are you going to be to help an individual that you're mocking. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. So you owe your customers some level of at least common courtesy. Minimum. 
common fucking courtesy. Common courtesy also includes that you're there when you say you'll be there. That if you have a 12 o'clock. Now, those of you who are already workers know how incredibly annoying it is to have a, let's say, 1 p.m. client. Whether they're coming to meet you in person, whether they're calling you on the phone, whatever the circumstances are, and that person doesn't show up. It's annoying. Well, think about it from their side for a moment. How annoying is it when you don't show up? These people have got serious problems. They've scraped together their little dollars, because they're not all rich, pal. Okay? And if you were just working for rich people, well, yeah, no offense. Uh, what are you doing? So they've scraped together their money. They've made time in their schedule. Some of them have children to raise. Some of them are going to school. Some of them are working. And they've made time to talk to you at 12 o'clock and you're not there. So what do you do? Well, you should deal with that professionally. Hey, maybe you got caught in traffic. Maybe somebody died. Maybe some other emergency client took up more time, okay, than you expected. Handle that exactly how you would want your doctor to handle that. First and foremost, with an apology. I'm sorry, etc. Try to, in some way, make that up for your client. You're the one that f had the failing, not them. We've all been there. We've all had a 3 o'clock appointment for the doctor and had to sit in the waiting room until 4 or 4.30. And you're sitting there going, what the fuck's going on back there? Is somebody dying? And sometimes somebody is dying. See, this is a give-and-take situation. But people, again, to bring it back home, say, Professor Porterfield, what do I need to do to be a professional worker? Well, to be a professional worker, you need to act professionally. That means you need a professional email. No, I'm serious. Think about this for a minute. Do you want to go to a worker that has a simple, easy-to-remember email? I'm not talking about who it's thrunk through, okay? The world is too big for that, all right? There are, there are professional people who use Gmail, all right? So it says Gmail at the end of your thing, or it says Yahoo at the end of your name. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, do you want to deal with a professional that has a professional, easy-to-understand-and-remember front email address, or do you want to go to somebody for your plumbing needs or your wall-building needs or whatever your needs are in life, a lawyer whose email address is chunkylover69 at fill-in-the-blank. Okay? No. You need to have a professional email address. You need to have some kind of physical address where people can send mail to you. Not everybody uses the computer, kitties. You need to have a phone number where people can reach you. You need all of these things, just like any doctor or any goddamn lawyer or any goddamn bricklayer has. All right? How do I become a professional worker? Act professionally. Act professionally. 
Keep appropriate hours. What are appropriate? Well, they're appropriate to you. What I mean by keeping them appropriately is you keep them. Some restaurants don't open till 11. Some restaurants don't open till evening. Okay? I'm not telling you, you need to be open at 9, you need to be closed at 5. That's not necessarily true. A lot of people are at work during those hours. They couldn't get a hold of you anyway. You need to set your hours that are available for you, how it works for you, but you need to adhere to them. You need to promptly respond to clients. Yes, no, maybe. You need to be available. You need to be present. You need to be listening to them when they're speaking to you in public, face-to-face, or on the phone, or even if you're just reading. You need to give them appropriate attention. You need to do all of that, and you need to do more. See, spirituality and magic does not excuse a lack of common courtesy and professionalism. If you are running a spiritual business, and you can honestly look at your clients and say, Hey, I'm sorry I wasn't available. Uh, My spirits told me I needed to be over here. My spirits told me I needed to be over there. I never know quite where my spirits are going to tell me I need to be on a moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour, day-by-day basis. Do everybody and yourself a goddamn favor and get out of the professional spiritual worker business. Could you do that? Because you're not working for people. You're working for your spirits. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this loosey-goosey, catch me as you can, I may have received a impression from the other side last night and have to go to tuck to yuck tuck is fucking bullshit. Okay? People paid you hard-earned, sometimes desperately scrambled together fucking money. But your spirits told me, oh, you, oh, I have to be over here. Could you at least put a goddamn notice on your phone so that people call and they don't get a hold of you? It says, I'm sorry, I'm out of the quote-unquote office today because my spirits, my, and I don't care what you want to dress the term spirits up as, my ancestors, my spirits, God, the angels, you know, do you, come on. You can't hold down a professional practice. That's not a slight against you. You may be doing fantastic work for your ancestors, for the spirits, for God, for the angels. Kick ass. But you can't expect everyone else to conform to the needs of your spirit, to the needs of your angelic messengers. Unless you know far enough ahead of time that you can broadly give pointers on that. Let's say you're an astrologer. Let's say you do astrology for yourself regularly. 
September 3rd to September 19th is just fucking terrible. I should not pick up a fucking phone. I should I don't know why I'm not an astrologer, but let's just say you did that. Okay, well, you forecasted that ahead. Now go and make arrangements for that. I'm sorry I won't be available from September whenever to September 19th. That's different. That's different. I'm talking about people who just fucking fly by the seat of their pants here. Second of all, please, when you are dealing with your clients one-to-one, give them the same professional courtesy of communication that you would wish. You don't want a doctor to suddenly hang up on you, okay? You don't want to call a lawyer and have them say, you know, I mean, seriously, think about this a minute. How would you feel if you called a lawyer? Call some lawyer, you got to get all this fucking money together, you got to have all this fucking prearrangement because, you know, lawyers not just sitting there waiting for you to call, they've got clients. Finally, you get this lawyer on the horn. You're sitting there on the horn with this lawyer, him or her, you're sitting right there. You're talking out the case because you can't meet him in person for some reason. You're discussing this on the phone. Here's what went on. They took my brother to prison, blah, 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 blah. He's taking notes. Suddenly, in the middle of this, this lawyer just out of nowhere goes, Oh my God, the dog's shitting on the carpet! And just hangs up on you. I mean, that's just it, right? Oh, oh my God! The the dog's shitting on the carpet. I gotta go. Would you would you call that lawyer back? I mean, wouldn't you? Would you want your money back? I'd want my money back. I'd want my money back, and I'd want to know why the, the, he had a dog in the office. You know, etc. The same goes true for things going on behind you. You owe your clients some silence behind you. What do I mean by that? I mean, you owe your clients to not have to to not have to try to hear you over every noise in the world. Okay? Strange vehicles, planes taking off, children screaming, uh, 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 dogs barking. Uh, you know, you owe them the respect and common courtesy that they can hear you. You owe them that. What do they owe you? They owe you the same level of professionalism. They owe you that they should be there on time, that they have paid, that they that they do not dispute their payments, that they treat you in a respectful and mannerful way. Uh, you know, common courtesy, common courtesy manners, uh, that they are not bossy and pushy, etc., etc., etc. They owe you that, and you owe them that back. I'll go further. This is my belief. Now, what you're about to hear right now is not a general truth. This is this is just my belief. The following statement just holds for fucking me. You don't you don't have to apply this, but I do. I do this. Am I saying you should? No, but you might want to consider it. When I go to see clients in person, I dress in a professional manner. What do I mean by that? I mean that I don't wear a dirty t-shirt and dirty jeans, okay, and beat up old boots and my my field hat and I just slink in, 
Okay. I don't necessarily mean that I dress in a suit every freaking time, although I do have a tendency to do that, because my grandfather brought me up to believe that a man of a certain stature dresses for that stature. Okay. But I that's my belief. My belief is that if you see people in public, if you see people face to face, you should be dressed at least in a clean manner, okay? You should at least be clean, all right? You shouldn't look like you just rolled out of the fucking bed, all right? I don't give a shit if you have a thousand tattoos. That's nobody's business but your own. I'm not one of those guys. I don't care if you have so much metal in your head because of piercings that we dare not take you near a junkyard for fear that you'll be sucked up by the electromagnet and carted away as if by some sort of alien abduction. That's not what I'm talking about. That's who you are. Alright? I'm talking about drag a damn comb through your fucking hair. If you don't comb your hair because you wear locked hair, then have presentable locks. I'm talking about being clean. I'm talking about you took the time to present an image that this client was fucking important to you. And they should be. What else do you owe them? Answer your goddamn emails. One of my greatest sins, but there it is. Answer your goddamn emails. Answer your goddamn phone calls. Answer your goddamn pub, your goddamn written correspondence. And do your best to do so in kind, unless otherwise requested. Meaning, someone sends you an email, send them an email. Someone calls you, call them. Someone writes you a handwritten letter, take the goddamn time to write them a letter back. Unless otherwise requested. Because that's how that person primarily communicates. Some of you may not yet have gotten to the point that you're dealing with clients who aren't involved in the computer world, but they're out there, okay? I have clients who deal with me strictly by written letter alone. There are still poor people in this world. There are still people who live out in the middle of the goddamn sticks, and you are working as a hoodoo, conjure, root work worker. Did you expect that they all fucking live in high-rises in Manhattan? What the hell's wrong with you? Some of these people live way out in the country. Somebody told them about you. They sit down and write you out a handwriting letter. Write them back. Be professional. What does professionalism also mean? Professionalism also means appropriate study, appropriate learning, and not taking clients you can't help. If you know in your heart of hearts you can't help them and they're offering you $10,000, turn it down. Listen, man, I need that $10,000 as bad as anybody, but turn it down. Here's another level of professionalism. Be willing to send clients to other workers 
That's the way professional people behave. Sorry, I can't do that work for you, but I know somebody that I trust who can do that work for you. When you send them to that person, take the time, take the time to then contact your associate and let them know. By the way, I recommended this woman to you. Her name is so-and-so, and she generally has a case involving this, a love matter, a legal matter, a cursing thing, whatever. That's how a professional does their business. Do not just send clients to other workers that you trust, that you know, without taking the time to alert them. Don't make it the responsibility of the client either. People will say anything. People will say anything. And when you do that, then you've done a service not only for your client, but also for your colleague. And finally, finally, I have this to say. And this is the highest order. Everything I have said before is true, but this is the one I want you to... I want you to write this one down on a piece of paper, stick it in a frame, and put it up someplace. Go get this tattooed. People love tattoos. Go get this tattooed on yourself. Etch this into the surface of your brain. If you truly want to be a professional, then regardless of the kind of case, love, legal work, curse work, jinx, break, whatever, your job is to create a strength, not to create a dependency. Let me say it again. Your job is to create a strength, not to create a dependency. I'll go further. You have an ethical responsibility to step away in a professional manner from clients who have become dependent on you. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I don't mean that a client comes to you for one thing, then they come to you for a different thing, then they come to you for a third thing. They come to you, you're the only one that they'll let do divination for you. They absolutely trust you. That's not what I'm talking about. That is, they have a doctor that they like. That doctor and them work well together, and they continue to bring their medical needs to that doctor. I'm talking about you've had this client working for you on the same love for five fucking years. You know it's not going to happen. You've done your best to tell them it's not going to happen. But they keep coming. They want a reading every week. They come and they get a $60 reading, a $75 reading, a $100 reading every week. You have a responsibility at some point in time to step away. You are here to create a strength, not to create a dependency. Because at the end of the day, if all you treat your clients as are a quick buck, a dependable dollar, and you have never tried to sway them. And some people you can't sway. Some people will say, no, I just want to do this, and I do have the money, and I'm economically stable, and you're just kind of stuck. Okay? But I'm talking about you know better. You know the fuck better. And you're just creating dependency after dependency after dependency, so they keep coming back, so they keep coming back. You're not a spiritual worker. You're not a magical worker. You're 
a pusher.
That was, of course, Mr. Curtis Mayfield with Pusher Man. And you know, there's a very important message in there. Because Curtis, he was always, and is always, just trying to send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the vanguard! LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Manali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7, Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday, 5 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday, 6 to 7.30, and On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand. Saturdays, noon to 3, all time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Important message, and speaking of important message... Oh, get your goosebumps ready, boys and girls, because once again, we are very proud and honored to have here live, over in the booth, waiting to say a word to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, our old friend from KXTV's late night monster chiller horror theater, the one, the only, Count Goulash. Count Goulash, take it away. Oh, oh, ladies and boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen of all ages and genders of all sizes, if you say, Count Goulash here to once again talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Committee of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Oh, oh, it's a wonderful, fantastic, and yet spooky place. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? Oh, yes, you can go out there and visit it. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and Spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Oh, oh yes, the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Go and visit them in person. You can take your children with you so they can see the amazing train set with all the tiny little people where they're always so tiny and all the magnificent trains running around and around and around as you feel sleepier and sleepier. And then after that, 
you can go over for a moment of quiet meditation and prayer in the world's smallest church that's right, the missionary independent spiritual church, and then afterwards go into the shop and browse through the aisles at see thousands of different magical products. But if you can't get there, don't worry, because they're online at www.luckymojo.com. Take the time to go and look. You'll be glad you did, and when you go, tell them that Count Goulash sent you. I love that guy. I love that. I love that. That that this is one of my favorite people from childhood. Just I got to tell you, it. I just love. Thank you, thank you, Count Goulash. Always so happy to have you in here. Consummate, consummate professional. Up next, a little section I like to call. That's right. Tonight we're going to be talking about eggs. Wait, isn't that a in-the-kitchen segment? No. Trust me. You can trust me, because I am not just the walrus. I am also the Eggman.
And I, I lied, although I am the Eggman. Nagashiva is, is the walrus. But you guys really got to step up your game. I mean, you guys really got game. Our name it and claim it was won once again by our own Miss Catherine Ironwood, who has ears of steel. Because not only was she correct that it was the Beatles, I am the walrus, she was able to point out that it is not I am the walrus directly off of Magical Mystery Tour. No, it's off of the anthologies without the studio overdubs. You guys really have got to, you got to try harder. I mean, she's got like 40 of these now. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I'm embarrassed for you all. Congratulations, Catherine. And yes, the walrus is Paul, but in my heart, it's troll. Eggs. Tonight, on the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. Eggs? What do you mean? Eggs! Eggs! You heard me. We've talked a lot about using this piece of the Bible, that piece of the Bible, etc. But now we're going to start talking about some practicality here. We're going to start talking about putting some of this into practice. We have talked before about writing out scriptural verses to boil or to burn or to bathe with. And you write them out on a piece of paper, you boil it, you burn it, you take the ash, you can write it with food coloring or wine or something else on foodstuffs, on a plate. If you're very careful, and you did it nicely with a little bit of mustard on the inside of a sandwich. And now we're going to talk about eggs. What do you mean eggs? Well, let me tell you a few little practices that you can do with scriptural sorcery with eggs. And I will start with one of my favorites. I often get asked, but how do I eat a piece of scripture? I mean, just I put it on a plate and I can't do it in the mustard on the piece of bread well enough. And then the thing, and I tried to do a needle on a pickle and it didn't. Okay, okay, calm down, calm down, calm down. You can take an egg. 
and you can write out on the surface of the egg very carefully with just a soft a, a soft pencil all right regular old kind of pencil and you can write out a piece of scripture on that egg shell and then you can take that egg and boil it and once that egg has been boiled with your bit of scripture or your psalm written on it, and it can be almost anything, we'll come to that in a moment, you boil your egg, you take your egg, you let your egg cool, and then you peel and eat or feed to another that boiled egg. You have a lover. You want to have more sway over them or to bring about greater feeling in them. You can write out specific portions of the Song of Solomon onto your egg. And if you're very careful, you can start at the top of your egg and spiral your writing all the way around the egg. All the way around the egg. Down to the bottom. You see? So you can write out a very long piece from, say, the Song of Solomon. You could also write out a section that speaks about the strength of Samson that you wish to then feed to someone who is weakened or needs strength. You can do the same for yourself. You don't have to feed all these eggs to other people, you see. You could. I, I I want to feel protected throughout the day. You could write out the entire 91st Psalm, if you're careful, onto an egg and boil it. Carry it in your pocket and then eat it at lunch to get you through trouble that you're having at work, as an example. You could also write out an imprecatory psalm on an egg and feed it to an enemy. So that's one way you can use an egg. You can also take an egg and blow it out. Do you know what I mean by this? I mean that you're going to make a hole, a small hole at the top and a small hole at the bottom of the egg. And you're, if you're clever now, if you're clever, you're going to take a long needle or something else, very sh something sharp and thin, and you're going to prick the yolk. All right? And then you're going to put the top of the egg against your mouth and you're going to blow very, very hard. And it's going to take a long time, but you're going to blow out the yolk the, and the white of the egg. And now you have a hollow egg. Okay? You can clean that out with a little running water and then let it dry. And then write out a bit of scripture to bless your house would be one example. And then roll it up into a very, very, very thin, slim cylinder and push it into your egg. And then you could fill the egg with other appropriate materials. In the case of the house blessing, you could add five-finger grass. Very old use to fill an egg with five-finger grass, by the way. And then you would seal the egg at either end. You could seal it with wax. All right. And then... Keep that egg within your house in a safe place. If you're particularly, if you're particularly 
crafty, you can even pierce that shell and cut out small symbols out of that eggshell. You can do that with a very fine Dremel tool or other very fine tools. It takes a whole lot of practice. But decorated eggs in this manner are seen in Eastern Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox Christianity and in Judaism. You see? And you could pierce out a cross as an example on that. And then you could also take an, an, a, a, an ink pen, a Sharpie, or something else that would be permanent, and write out scripture on the outside of that egg. You can also take an egg, and you can bless it, and use that egg to remove sickness from the body. You see, And I'm not talking about a specific egg. I'm not saying, oh, a black hen egg, which has a lot of uses. I'm talking about using this side-by-side side with Scripture. All right? So, consider that. Consider that you can place blessings or cursings inside hollowed-out eggs. You could take an egg and write a curse. Fill it up with that curse. And even red pepper or war water. And drive by and hurl that egg onto the porch of your target. But primarily what I will suggest you start off with is taking these eggs, writing your blessings, your petitions, your 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 demands for love. Again, you Song of Solomon, you need the strength of Samson, you need the wisdom of Solomon, you need the judicious nature of Moses, you need the blessings of Jesus, you need the 91st Psalm, you need the 23rd Psalm, you need the 4th Psalm. Write it out! On the outside of that egg, boil that egg, let it cool, and then eat it or fill it, feed it to your target. So that has been a little talk about the use of eggs with Scripture this evening. Now we're going to we're going to be running over a little bit tonight, but in a minute we're going to go over to the kitchen and we're going to be talking about white and black mustard seeds.
none other than Gentleman June, also known as Jay Gardner with mustard greens. But we're not going to be talking about mustard greens. We're going to be talking about mustard seeds. By the way, you heard uh, Gentleman June. His real name was Albert. On the bongos in that piece, I'm afraid we did not have any name it or claim it on that. That's from some time back. Tonight we're going to be talking about white and black mustard seeds. Now, as a person channeling doodles pointed out in the chat room, But don't you mean mustard seeds? No, I do not mean brown mustard seeds, because the seeds of black or brown mustard are both commonly called black, even though some even call them red. <clears throat> Let's start with white mustard seed. White mustard seed. What can I say to you about white mustard seed? Well, the first thing I would say to you about white mustard seed is Matthew 17, 20. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. This is a well-quoted and often known bit of scripture from the New Testament talking about faith. But I must tell you that it is also it is also known as being used generally by people to explain that hoodoo root work, conjure, and such is not disallowed to them and that it is in fact not, quote, deviltry, or of the devil. Because Jesus has said to us that with faith, nothing shall be impossible to us. It is used by many people for the purpose of warding off evil and bringing good luck. Now for protection, you can carry white, although some say yellow, mustard seeds in a white flannel bag with a whole angelica root anointed with 711 type oil. So again, you would carry white mustard seeds in a white flannel bag with an angelica root that had been anointed with 711 holy oil. For love, you would carry white mustard seeds in a mojo bag along with mandrake root and a pinch of love me sachet powder to add in the development of love. And then finally, we have the wonderful, the fantastic Madame Collins, who gives us a remedy to restore male sexual nature. And Madame Collins advised us that you can mix equal parts arm and hammer baking soda in the name of the Father, saltpeter in the name of the Son, and dry yellow mustard powder in the name of the Holy Ghost. And as you stir them together, you say, remove these evil spirits from this person's body. And you give male clients a packet of this with instructions to mix four tablespoons in a gallon of water and bathe from head downward on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And three baths should effect a cure 
and you should consider those substances. In particular, I want you to think about this for a moment. Why does she not just say baking soda? Why does she say arm and hammer? Well, I think you're going to have to go out and you're going to have to look up the arm and hammer emblem, the arm and hammer symbol that was bore on the box so that you better understand that. Now, black mustard seed. The seeds of black or brown mustard cause confusion to enemies and are thus used in law keep-away and court case products. To make a confusion sprinkle, to cause a household of people or all the employees at a business to misunderstand one another, fail to follow instructions, or make poor decisions, you walk backwards across the doorway of the premise, sprinkling a mix of black mustard seed and sulfur powder. To disrupt police and court activities, black mustard seed, to keep away the police by confusing them, but if you are arrested, you can carry the seeds in your pocket and confusion will arrive in, arise in the courtroom and you will be set free. So here we see that black mustard seeds can be used both to keep the police away by confusing them, but also carried in your pocket. They can cause confusion to arise in a courtroom when you go for trial. Some of you will be doing work this next week on Wednesday the 15th to aid in justice, and you might want to instead cause confusion to the forces that are in opposition to our African-American brothers and sisters. So you could use black mustard seeds. So these are just a few of the uses of white and black, or if you prefer yellow and brown, or if you prefer yellow and red mustard seeds. But I want to point out to you very strongly that that passage, Matthew 17:20, has been used to explain why hoodoo, root work, conjure, is not disallowed to the worker, that it is not, quote, deviltry, that it is not, quote, witchcraft, because many people say that word meaning something negative, and that it is proof of the promise from Jesus that those of faith can perform miracles, can move mountains, and that nothing is impossible unto them. And then, finally, I would suggest you go and look at the Arm & Hammer logo, which Miss Catherine Ironwood has been nice enough to post up into the chat room. And you can find it even if you're listening to this in the archive. So that's been the show tonight. We went just a few minutes over, but I thought that it was important, a little more in detail about some of these topics, particularly professionalism. And I hope that you take the information from this show each and every week and don't use it as some kind of ridiculous, magical prohibition against things, but instead use it to further your own study and your own knowledge. Our segments, The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, comes to us from our own knowledge, but also from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery, by Miss Mikhail and myself, and we thank her for its inclusion and its use here each week. And our In the Kitchen section comes to us, again, from our own knowledge, as well as Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, and Materia Magic, Magica of African-American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her for its inclusion and use here each week. 
you have to study. No one source is enough. Do not trust the man of one book. Go out and take this show and every show that I do and use it just as a stepping stone to find out more and to give you something to consider till we're back again next week. I'd love to stay and talk to you all night, but I'm afraid I can't. I mean, it, it's all over. I read through everything. There's nothing left. Count Goulash has already left. I'm going to meet him a little later for a Monte Cristo and some drinks, but that's it. This is this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Texas and go to Texas cattle and double back to Fort Worth. Come on down to Dallas, turn call the kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way, but I'm doing well. Pass on.